Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Can you imagine yesterday, Kevin, the the feeling for Graham Rahal? He's sitting in his car and he knows when Harvey goes out and the final gun goes off while Harvey's in the middle of a run so he knows there's nothing he can do. You're sitting there and you're thinking, because I would imagine that even though you knew it was a possibility that you weren't going to get in, you have to, in the back of your mind, to be thinking to yourself, it's not really going to happen, though. You know, like yeah. in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking, like, surely something's going to come through here. Yeah, I was thinking no shot for, I guess, two reasons. One, just the fact that Harvey had to go back out there so quickly. And, you know, they talk about, you know, the heating of the engines and the inability to cool them down. By the way, it almost seems like if you're going to do that, don't you just bring out like all the fans possible and everybody has access to them to cool them down? I know it's not necessarily a discussion for here or now, but if you do want as much activity as possible in that one hour time frame that, that you're given the, uh, the last chance guys. The other thing that I would think if I were Graham Rahal, I would have felt pretty confident about is Jack Harvey's lap one and lap two was not, something that was very like wow or i know it was the lap three which i mean again jake you saw over 100 qualifying attempts on saturday and sunday how many people and correct me if i'm wrong but harvey's time in lap three was faster than two right how how many of the over 100 qualifying attempts had a better lap three than lap two very few i i saw oh boy very few if i i think maybe i saw one or two yeah and it might have even been like on simulated runs not not like official runs rare for certain so i think basically it took until that third lap for graham rahal and we'll we'll obviously ask him for graham rahal to be like oh bleep and i i don't know maybe maybe he's he obviously could hear the crowd noise, I would think, and and and, and all of that. I mean, you know, just sitting there and just knowing, and, and you know, you didn't know either until the last lap as he went across the line whether or not he had enough. Talking of Jack Harvey, and then you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, you know, there it goes, and and you know, what can you do at that point? Um, and listen, I thought yesterday. And I'll probably go over this with him in just a few minutes here. I, I thought Graham Rahal yesterday cemented himself probably to a lot of fans, and that doesn't do him any good right now, I realize. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, Graham, I thought a lot about this last night in the fact that sometimes, like in our job, it's difficult because you don't really know what to ask because the, the typical question would be, so what happened? And then I think to myself, well, if you knew what happened, you probably would have taken care of it. You, you know what I mean? So now that you've had time to process it all, and thank you for joining us this morning, just kind of take me through your analysis of everything that took place. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's hard, I think, to put 
you know, finger on one thing, as you just said. I think if you if you were to step back, there's a variety of things that that ultimately lead to us being in this position. And you know, the the, the crappy part about it is it's not just one of us, right? There was four of our cars. Cat snuck in, um, you know, on on day one there, which was great to relieve some pressure. And then, of course, there was there was the other three of us that were left to to fight it out the next day. We always felt Christian was safe. He was the next quickest car in our fleet, I would say. And really, I was the slowest all week on pure speed. Uh, and the question would be why, you know. Uh, and as you just said, I, I think you know if we if we knew, uh, we would we would have clearly fixed it. I I do think. You know that's going to be one of our challenges and and changes for the the rest of this year and going forward is is putting the right processes in place to truly identify that. Um, nothing screams obvious for you know for for the reason that the car was in that position, but but that's Indy and uh, ultimately you know we've seen it here before. You know I remember I was talking to RHR last night. You know I remember him going through his struggles, Hinch going through his. Uh, there's been a lot of good guys who have gone through this. And all of us are left in the same position, which is scratching your head as to what the hell went wrong. You know, how do we get here? Um, but in light of all of that, there's, you know, the, I think there, you, there's a reason for all of these things. There's a reason things happen in life. And for me, I think it's good motivation you know, to understand and make sure that we are never in this position again. Um, and ultimately I could pinpoint, you know, a handful of things right away that need to be looked at and worked through. Uh, and I'm sure that I'm sure that we'll get there and I'm sure that we'll do it and do it appropriately. I want to echo what Jake said. Thank you for the time this morning. Um, can you kind of take us inside of your helmet there as Jack is attempting that that final run? What were your emotions at that point? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I scrolled through Twitter last night, and there was a lot of folks that you know were calling calling me out for for not for not running, uh, but they don't know that the rules are you could you can't run. Uh, in my position, I literally cannot run. If I moved from my pit box, if I worked on my car at all, we were eliminated. We are we withdraw our time. So I literally had to sit there. There was nothing else we could do. We could not pull out of our box to go run. Uh, if we did that, in effect, we eliminate ourselves. So then whatever time Jack completes with is the time no matter what. You know, I at the second for me. You know, when he pulled back out, look, and, and I know that Hinch said it on the broadcast and all that stuff, and it's true that I've never seen a car go faster with heat soak ever. I mean, I got a text from Dixie last night, and he was like, "How the hell did that thing go quicker?" None of us know because it didn't change anything; they just reran. Um, but. Jack did a great job to maintain it for four laps. And when he pulled out of the pit box, I literally looked at my rearview mirror up to the top of the pagoda and the wind 
completely stopped. When I ran, there was maybe a two or three mile an hour headwind down the back straight. That's not very much. But with the issues that we've been facing, you know, with pure just drag, that makes a difference. And I said on the radio, I said, guys, we're in trouble. I said, look at the windsock. And it was flat. And also, I haven't looked at the data between Jack and I, nor do I need to. Point zero zero seven is nothing over four laps. Uh, but, you know, I would imagine that that made a big difference. And that's life. You know, it's, it wasn't, as I said a second ago, for whatever reason, you know, the 2023 Indy 500 wasn't, you know, in my life plan. Little did I know. Um, but I'm still here. I'm actually out in the infield walking the dogs now. And we'll be here to support the team and try to give them, you know, whatever guidance we can. Help them, you know, improve the race cars, which which needed a lot. And unfortunately, I was the best race car we had. Uh, but the rest can, can learn from, from our setup and, you know, and hopefully put themselves in a good position uh, to go forward, you know, through the weekend. So we'll see. Was there any discussion, Graham? And I'm sure you've been, I mean, I've been asked this consecutively for 12 hours now. Was there any discussion or will there be any discussion about, from a sponsorship standpoint, putting you in one of the three cars that qualified within the team? You know, um, I'm not aware of any of those discussions, nor would I be okay with that. Uh, Everybody has earned their right to be in their position and in their teams and their cars. Um, You know, all of the people that are driving were, were hand selected to be there, you know, and they deserve to be there. Um, you know, as I said a second ago, I think the only thing you can say in my case is that, you know, we weren't, I wasn't deserving, you know, we, we weren't good enough. Um, and ultimately, you know, whatever happens with the sponsors, uh, is, you know, is not, I'm not going to say it's not my problem because it, it very much so is, uh, but I don't know what all those things call for is what I'm getting at. I I will be here. I've already talked to several of them. You know, I'll be here to, to go to dinners with them and, and host them at the track. And we've got our charity golf tournament on Thursday, you know, which, which we are still 100%, you know, a go with. And we're going to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to give back. You know, all of those things are still, still a part of our plan. Um, so, Hopefully there's enough that we can do to, to make them happy uh, and get them their value surrounding that than anything else. And then what I would say is I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't know anything, but I surely wouldn't be surprised to see United Rentals, you know, in a much bigger capacity on, on one of our cars. But I, I don't know. You know, I don't know who that would be or how that they would skin that cat. Uh, but, but, I, but it would make sense for sure for that to be the case. So, uh We'll see. Graham, you know, Graham Rahel's our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. We had set up this interview, as I had mentioned last week. Mark Dykton set it up with with Kathy of Rahel Letterman Lanigan Racing. I, I don't think anybody would have been upset with or not understanding if after yesterday you said, yeah, I'm good. Why did you feel it necessary to still, and we're very grateful for it, but why did you feel it necessary to still do this interview this morning? Well, I mean, you know, I at the end of the day, 
you know, I gave you my word and and like I said, this place is it's a challenge in every every sense of the word. And you never know what can happen. You know, you show up here for the month and and that's that's reality that uh it can go your way or or it can definitely not, you know. And I either way, you know, when you when you when you commit to somebody you gotta live up to to your word and you know, that's why, I, you know, like I said, all week I'll be here still fulfilling all, all the duties that I can and perhaps doing more than I ordinarily would have, you know, just because, sadly, I've got the time to do it now. Um, but, you know, I think, it's, I think it's important. I think it's a lot of people can, can run away uh, and not face it, you know, head on. But the reality of the situation is, you know, we clearly have to face it head on. We, we we brought this upon ourselves uh, and we we need to you know stand up and and make sure it doesn't happen again um, you know but but you know it's it's important for me just to, to live up to my word and make sure that uh, I can still fulfill everything on my side uh, that I've committed to Graham I, I want to go back to <clears throat> what happened there with Jack going back out and I recall you saying that there was a weight jacker issue on your car if jack let's say had put up that time with nine minutes to go on the clock could you have gone back out there and do you think you could have i guess topped that time yeah there's no doubt there's no doubt but was there any talk to leave you time was there any talk between the teams of okay jack you go out there and then graham can get a chance His, his first run was intended to leave me time but he didn't go better, uh, better than me, at least. He went better than he had, but he didn't go better than me. And honestly, I thought maybe that would be it. Like, get one shot at it, whatever. But they bolted a set of tires on the thing and took out a little bit of front wing, and, you know, magic happened. And that's what Indy's about. You know, it is. It's a magical place. And, as I said, I probably got, cool. I don't know, a hundred text messages from other team members, other dri- almost every other driver in the field. You know, and literally every one of them was like, how the hell does a hot car go faster? I mean, nobody can figure it out, nor can I. <laughs> so when, you know, when it, you know, that's what I mean. It's a magical place. And for whatever reason, it was Jack's opportunity. It wasn't mine. And so, I didn't. We didn't have time, clearly, to react. He went out with two minutes left on the clock. I couldn't do anything. <clears throat> and as I said, um, you know, the rules are written where if I moved at all, if I moved an inch from my pit box, I, I withdraw my time. It is not like the day before where you can run and run and run and run, and if you improve, great. It's not that way. Uh, so I couldn't run, you know, I was in. And so in that capacity, I had to sit and just wait. Um, which is, which is clearly an awful feeling, you know, when you know the Indy 500 is on the line, but in reflection too, as I just said, I certainly don't think that we should be fighting for, you know, 30, you know, 32nd, 33rd, whatever, you know, I, I, we as a team should be a lot further forward than that. 
So the disappointment would have been the same either way, whether it was me or it was Jack. And as I've said multiple times, I think for whatever reason, you know, it was uh, it was my my time. It was my turn. It was my day to not make it. I don't really understand that or why, but <clears throat> but I can't uh, I can't sit here and ignore that that, that you know that I, I'm a firm believer that everything in life happens for a reason, and I can't sit here and just ignore that. Well, you Graham, know, there's some reason I'm not in it. I, I think that, you know, sometimes I think in life, one of the things I've learned, and I'm, I'm old, it took me a long time to learn this, but one of the things I learned sometimes is that, like, you're not defined necessarily by the challenges in life, but rather how you respond to them, how you answer to them. And does this, in your, if you were to crystal ball it, does this adversity for you in terms of with your team, where I know you've been frustrated in some of the qualifying setups and the results for your team, does the adversity that you guys went through together now cement or or strengthen the bond that you have with the team, or does it further give you motivation to, to see what else may be out there? No, no, no. I think, you know, for me it's, it's important. Uh, I, I think you know me well enough, Jake, but, like, for me I think it's important to – to be a leader across the board. Um, and that's my job now, you know, is particularly the next couple of weeks, you know, is to be there for everybody to try to make sure everybody's on top of their game. I said that to, you know, to my team last night, we all got together and had a couple beers and talked, talked about a lot of stuff. And, you know, I think it's important for them to be here and to be supportive of the other three teams as well as we go through this. But, we're a pretty tight knit group anyway. Um, I do think, you know, in many ways, as I just said, you know, this is a major reality check to everybody. Yes, I'm the one that missed, but there's three of our others that are the last two rows that shouldn't be. So I think, as a as an or, as an organization, it's a it is a great reality check that we need to do the right thing. As I've always said, you know, we, we were, we, we've got a, a great group of hardworking individuals. We just got to make sure that we're working hard on the right things. And, uh, I think we've got some direction, sadly, <laughs> a little late, but we got some direction. And I, I do think you'll see a much stronger organization to come in the future. The positive thing that we have going with this team is first off the sponsors, that, that's it. That's a big, big part of this. They make that you know we we work awfully hard to keep those relationships really sound. But they they make our job, our, the ability for us to do a lot of things uh, possible. But also the owners, you know, the owners, you know, they hundred percent are dedicated. So if you think this hurts for me, I can guarantee you it hurts a hell of a lot more for Mike, for Dad, and Dave. So with that being said, you know, I, I do think uh, it, it's a good um, kick in the, in, the, in the butt, I think, for everybody to make sure that, you know, we are refocused, re-energized, and that we do the right things. Um, and so hopefully we'll make that happen. Well, Graham, I appreciate the time. I said earlier in our last 20 seconds here, I will simply say this. 
I think you gained a lot of fans yesterday, and I think you you showed people the Graham Ray Hall that I've known certainly. Um, that maybe has been misunderstood by some fans. People have asked me how they can uh, help out with your foundation. It is the Graham and Courtney Rahal Foundation. The information can be found at GrahamRahal.com. And I will tweet that out as well for folks that would like to support you in what was a difficult time in the way you handled it. We're out of time, Graham, but I appreciate it. And in weird circumstances, still look forward to seeing you. All right? Thanks, Graham. Yep. See you soon. Thanks. It is 9 o'clock on a Monday. In Indianapolis, it's 9 o'clock technically everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jay Quarry. Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton with me as well this morning here on Kevin and Quarry 93.5-1075. Our next guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline is one of the great stories in qualifying for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. In his previous four starts, he has made up 53 spots throughout the course of his racing in the Indianapolis 500. He won't have to make up that much this year because he starts in position number four in the middle of, or excuse me, the inside of row number two, his A.J. Foyt, Dallara Chevy, 233.798 miles an hour for Santino Ferrucci. And Santino, first off, thanks for the time, man, and congratulations on one heck of a weekend. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on. And to yeah, it's definitely been uh, a solid couple of days in our homes for troops Chevrolet. Santino, I saw a quote. I forget if it was Saturday or Sunday, but you had a comment that you said that you hated qualifying. You've always hated qualifying. How in the world does a man that hates qualifying end up in the inside of row two at the fastest 500 ever? Uh, still not a fan of qualifying. It's just when you have a car on nice edge like that for as long as we did, having to keep doing it, it's just, man, it's nerve wracking. I just knew, I just know we always have a great race car coming here. And, um, yeah, honestly, it was, it, it was definitely the nicest qualifying car that I've had to drive. Um, especially at 234 miles an hour. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's when you got speed, man, you just, you have speed. At what point did you know, Santino, because a lot of people, you know, this is a team in A.J. Foyt Racing that, that quite frankly, you know, has struggled over the last couple of years, but then all of a sudden between both yourself and your teammate, Benjamin Peterson, you obviously, you guys had fast cars. When did you know, hey, you know what, we might have something here that people don't realize we've got up our sleeve? Right in our first session on Wednesday. I mean, we went out, we did our first run, and I was just like, okay, this thing moves. So instantly I kind of knew that we had something uh, unique and special. And I think, you know, for Benjamin, it was more of an aha moment, maybe Thursday. Uh, But, uh, dude, when we we did our first run uh, to start off the month here, it it was good. Again, Santino Ferrucci is with us. He's going to start on the inside of row two coming up on Sunday. Santino, we've had you on before after 500s, and how you've maneuvered your way through the field is rather incredible and well-documented. What, or I guess, are you curious how that might change now that you're starting at the front? I, I guess, you know, you're used to, you know, row six, seven, eight, you know, things like that. Now you're row two. What, if any, do you think will be different about the first, you know, X amount of laps outside of, obviously, you have less cars in front of you. I won't be taking the green and turn four for once, which will be nice. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that's that's always fun. I think last year, last year I started 15th, and we got into the top 10 within the first opening laps, and uh, we kind of rode around six for most of the race. And you know, it's just different when you're running up front all day. It's you know the pressure is always there. You know, you're always you know the speeds are higher. So starting you know starting on the inside of that second row. You know, I'm already in a position that I wanted to, that you'd want to be in with about, you know, 30, 40 laps left. So you just have to run a flawless day and you have to have five perfect stops. You can't make any mistakes in pit lane and uh, you can't get unlucky now with, with yellows and cautions. You know, Santino, one of the things that's interesting to me, because there's two schools of thought here. You're starting in a row with Pata Award and Scott Dixon beside you. You're starting just behind Palo VK and Rosenquist. The old saying is, you know, you can't win the race in the first turn, but you can certainly lose it there. But you're a race car driver at heart. You want to untame it and just go, right? Do you have conversation with or do you anticipate having conversation with Pato and Scott about the start? or even with Alex Renus and Felix as well about like where you might go and how you guys kind of play it. No, we're racers. I mean, you're going to want to lead this thing going in turn one. I mean, <laughs> there we I go. Know, I know, I know this first lap. I know those guys, we've all been running the 500 for the same amount of years, except for Dixon. Um, I kind of know what Dixon's going to do. And, uh, you know, having watched Pato and, uh, before at the 500, you know, I kind of have a feeling what, you know, everyone's going to kind of do to shuffle into lanes. Um, I know that Dixon's probably going to drop, drop in to the inside. I probably have an idea of Ward's going to take the outside. I'm already on the inside, so I'm just probably going to have the, uh, the chance to just stay there, to be honest with you. So do you tuck right in behind Palo then and just go as he goes? Or, you know, how much do you have to worry about where VK and Rosenquist are sliding in as well? I think, you know, that's a hard one because knowing VK, he likes the weed. So it would be very interesting to see what he does with Palou. And me and Felix have a huge respect for each other, so I'm sure that we'll just figure it out once we're out there to slot in uh, either behind or in front of one another and just kind of ride. You know, I think, uh, you know, the first 150 laps of this race, you're just riding. There's really no – when you're up front like that with a bunch of young guys, you know, I think – all of us, as much as we want to race, I think we're all smart enough to know that we want to race at the end. So I think we're all just going to sit there and ride along for a little while. I love it though, man. Like the green, the green falls and you're like the hell with it. Let's go. Right. That's what's going to happen. That's what, that's <laughs> what I think I'm pretty sure is going to happen. The one and only seen laps. Santino Ferrucci is with us again in that home for our troops car. I do want to hit on that here in just a second, but I want to go back to qualifying Santino, and again, my experience on this oval is as a two-seater with Mario a handful of years ago, and I thought my head was going to fall off and two laps, and I was like, I am absolutely done. I cannot imagine actually driving the car, driving it at whatever miles per hour much faster than I was just doing, and doing it with 33 cars or 32 other cars around me. So when you are qualifying, are you literally on the edge where you are thinking to yourself, if I have one little bobble, this thing is in the wall? Honestly, it's kind of how we felt in the Fast 12 qualifying. I mean, we kind of nailed everything perfectly, and that's why the speed was where it was, and we were as fast as we were. The last the last qualifying, um, 
you know, we were definitely a little bit more winged up, definitely more on the conservative side on the shootout for pole. But that's that's what I wanted to do. You know, it's one of those things to where, look, I've now done you know, how many times do you want to push your luck is that is how you're looking at it. You're, you're trimming out a, a car that honestly really doesn't like you <laughs> at 234, 235 miles an hour. And it wants nothing to do with, you know, going that fast. And it's just how many times you want to take that risk. And uh, after doing it, you know, yesterday, or after doing it Saturday to get into the Fast 12, doing it in practice, doing it to get into the Fast 6, I had about enough of that car trying to kill me. <laughs> so I, I was ready to just take, I was try, we were trying just for the, we, you know, we want the pull. Um, we were trying for the front row. I'm going to take fourth. I mean, I'm, I'm just happy that it's over. He sounds like it's like a cruise at 230-some miles per hour yeah. there once you're into the Fast I mean, 6. Yeah, I, never cruise around <laughs> you, you can't – it's like it's uh, it's like taming a line. You can't take your foot off its throat. There's, 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 no, there's no chance to take a breath. There's no chance to do anything because the second you relax, it's when it'll bite you. Santino, Jake and I were talking earlier about the best paint schemes in this year's race. I put yours atop the list. Can you let our listeners know a little bit about uh, Home for Our Troops? Yeah, so, uh, well, first of all, the car, if you basically take the American flag and lay it down, that's what our car looks like. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Uh, Homes for Our Troops is a fantastic charity. More than 90 cents to every dollar goes into the charity organization. They build custom homes for wounded veterans and, you know, veterans with disabilities that, you know, can't have normal, you know, it's tough to build custom homes for, and it's very expensive to build custom homes for because, you know, some of them have very unique disabilities. Um, not only that, they it they pay all the monthlies, they take care of all the expenses, all of their things to get them into the house. You know, they do so much for our veterans. And the coolest thing that we're doing this month in particular is that if you donate, ABC's matching your donation. So, you know, I'm pretty sure we're almost up to a million dollars at this point, and ABC is matching that to give back into the Homes for Troops uh, organization. So that's ABC Supply, which has also been really a great sponsor and, and dedicated and loyal one to AJ Foyt Racing. Santino Ferrucci joins us on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Santino, you have driven for Dale Coyne. You've driven for Bobby Rahal and, and David Letterman. You've driven for Dryer Reinbold, now with A.J. Foyt. What is your relationship with A.J. Foyt? Because the reputation is that while a great driver and a totally awesome personality, uh, that Foyt can be pretty cantankerous at times. <laughs> it's, it's very, I want to say it's very cool because we are fast. And he has a huge appreciation for the fact that we're wheeling these cars around as fast as we are, especially for my teammate, uh, Benjamin, because he's a rookie. So for what we're doing, I think, you know, he's smiling every day. He's in the he's in the garage every day looking at this car, trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, he's got a great understanding of exactly what we're doing. And it's, you know, we, we get to hear all the stories. So, you know, he's telling stories about his wins uh, in the 60s. He's t- he was talking about how uh, he, he finished second and third uh, in his years that he was almost unstoppable in the mid-70s, you know, and just listening to him and all of these things. And, you know, he's got a pretty impressive record around this place, to say the least. The fact that he's done it in both the front engine, rear engine car, and on bricks is just ridiculous. Santino, as you look ahead to today, again, a two-hour practice coming up starting at 1, and then Carb Day, of course, to round out the week. Uh, 
do you have a feel or, or a hunch on how passing will be coming up on Sunday from a racing standpoint? I think it's going to be the best it's ever been. Um, you know, the series has done a fantastic job of adding in new components and making the cars a little bit more adjustable for the drivers uh, in the past few years. And I think it's getting to the point to where it, it, it's closer to pack racing without having the pack racing. Um, the only thing I wish we did is I wish we raced on the same qualifying power we had. So, uh, you know, they do, uh, we do qualify at like 750 horse. <laughs> so I don't know if those cars, I don't know, uh, what that does for 500 miles. If we were to run at that kind of, that kind of power around this place at 230 plus, but, uh, you know, our downforce levels are good. I've been able to pass, uh, especially in traffic, which is rare, um, but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping we have a very eventful 500. Are there any drivers – well, I know there are, uh, I'm assuming, so so tell me one. Tell me the driver that if you if your spotter tells you they are on either side of you, that you just think to yourself, I, I'd rather stay clear of this just because I don't know that driver's tendencies or I don't know which way they're going to go, so it's better that I just create separation here. Who comes to huh. mind? Oh, I got a few people that come to mind. I'm not going to name names, but we'll be lapping them. <laughs> <laughs> You'll so, be lapping them because they're at the back of the field already or because that's just what you want to do? That's really what I want to do. I think everybody that I'm racing with up front, uh, you know, I have a huge respect for, and I think we all have a huge respect for each other. And most of these people, most of them, I don't want to say that we're predictable. We're more predictable than the drivers on 465 outside of Indy. But um, <laughs> we're about just as crazy, if not more. Now, with that, you you mentioned this earlier, but I want to go back to it because I think it's interesting. You know, when, when I'm calling the race, Santino, or when, when people are watching the race, it is always exhilarating when we see a pass for the lead on lap 70, lap 90. And then afterwards, sometimes I have to go back and remind myself that oftentimes a guy running in front in lap 70 or 90 may want somebody else to take the lead for a little bit just to kind of let you conserve some fuel or learn some things about the car. Maybe the, the you know getting a draft as opposed to dirty air is, is a better situation, etc. At what lap, at what lap or in what stint of the race is it go time? When do you go from, as you had said, kind of just keeping it clean and staying up front to all right the 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 knives are out and let's go i think the last two stints is when you're really starting to pay attention it's kind of strange because you want to lead this race because uh, it's cool to lead this race it's obviously something that i don't have a lot of experience in doing so i would probably like to get out front at one point today and lead lead a few laps just to just to do it just because I think it's fun. You only need to lead one lap in this race, though, and everybody, you know, and I, I, everybody needs to know that you you need to lead the last one out of turn four. All okay. That so I'm going to give you, in conclusion, here, Santino, to help you wake up to get ready for practice here, and I appreciate you waking up early this morning with us. A uh, little yeah. bit of trivia for you out of the media guide. You ready? Go for it. Can you tell me within one hundred thousand dollars your total Indianapolis 500 earnings in your career? Uh, one million sixty-seven thousand something something something. Wow, 
One million twenty-seven thousand two hundred and nine dollars. Very well done. Okay, second. Price is right. You you have led three of your four Indianapolis five hundreds in which you participated. Can you tell me how many total laps you have led? Probably three or four. Four is correct. All right. Lastly, the record used to be for a winner. Two laps led in a winning effort was the fewest laps led by a winner. That was Joe Dawson in 1912. Until what driver broke that record by leading only the last main straightaway in a win? Oh, my God. Don't tell me it's Dan Weldon. That is correct. It is, in fact, Dan Weldon. Look at you, man. God, Santino Ferrucci. <laughs> Look at Unbelievable. That. All right, can you tell me the four years that A.J. Foyt won the 500? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 61. 62. Ooh, close. Close. No, 60, is it 63? Closer. Okay. Parnelli was 63. Okay, I know the other one's 67 and 77. Yes. 64 was the one you're missing, but pretty darn well done. Santino, Santino, last, last one, and we thank you for your time here as you're getting ready for practice. We had Felix Rosenquist on last week, and I threw a question to Felix saying, all right, you've got a car that needs to keep two cars behind them over a 10-lap span to win the race. So, you know, a car's in first, a couple cars right behind you, but they've got to hold that lead. And I asked him to give me a driver he would want in that car leading the race to kind of, I guess, play defense and, and, and win the race. He said you. Does that surprise you at all? We go back a long time. If he want, he. <laughs> So he'd be leading and I'd be on defense? No, no, no. I think you would be. You would be leading. I'd be leading? Yeah. He'd want me to be leading? He would want... I said that he couldn't pick himself and he couldn't pick one of his teammates, and he picked you. Huh. I would... Uh, I I think that's very flattering from him. I mean, I've grown up racing with Felix for a long time in Europe. He's the one person I'd like to not have to restart behind because he's freaking damn good at it. Um... But, uh, yeah, I think it'd be very interesting. He's a pretty good dude, though, isn't he, Rosenquist? Yeah, yeah. He's one of of the few people I really get along with well. So, like I said, (laughs) there's there's a lot of respect there between the two of us. (laughs) Now, hold Um, on. He's one of the few people you get along with well. Does that mean that you don't generally like other people or other people generally don't like you? take the latter um, but yeah no i think there's a huge respect and we both know that but we both know last lap of this race it's you know all that goes out the window to win this thing and at the end of the day i don't you know one person does come out on top and we know that but it's not something we'd hate each other over Gosh, I absolutely love the mentality of Santino Ferrucci. One week from today, we'll have the winner on of the Indianapolis 500. It's quite possible it's the guy we're talking to right now. Santino, good luck today. Good luck Friday. Most importantly, though, Sunday. Uh, The car is unbelievable. You've had a hell of a month so far. We always enjoy our conversations. And uh, stay safe out there, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, boys. Thanks for having me on. Jake, we uh, we played that clip obviously to open up the show. Hearing it for a second time, the stun in the voice of Davey Hamilton probably tells you the full story. Yeah, right? I, I remember Davey before the run was like, I, I just can't see how he's going to find the speed. And you know, they went out for a couple of laps to cool the car off to get air into it, 
air intake to cool off the car. And, you know, was that the difference? And maybe it was. But Jack Harvey in and Graham Rahal out. Quite the Sunday, quite the weekend over at IMS. And obviously we hope the drama continues here. Six days from now, the president of the Speedway, Doug Bowles, he's joined us all month long here every Monday on Kevin and Query. He does it once again. Uh, Doug, that was uh, pretty darn entertaining yesterday, wasn't it? I still can't believe it, honestly. And, and I, that's the first time I've heard the radio call, and that's unreal. Um, yeah, it was. I was sitting in the grandstands with fans, which has kind of been my thing I love to do during the last uh, qualifying sessions. I've done that for the last several years, and the, the crowd went crazy. And I think everybody was in the same spot where they're like, there's no way he's going he's gonna to do this. I mean, he was slow in his first attempt. Either that second attempt, he was slow. And then they come in you know, with like six minutes to go or whatever it is. And the next thing you know, they're going to they're gonna go try and run again. And it's like, there's no way. And those first two laps weren't there. And then the third lap, everybody was like, okay, maybe – the crowd went crazy, not because they didn't want Graham in, but because of just the drama and the effort um, of Jack. They were, you know, it's just pretty cool to see. I think you are someone that has seen Graham Rahal in a lot of different walks of life, whether it's business-wise um, with, you know, sponsorship and, and elements, obviously his dad owning that team, and then certainly 1595-hundreds. Um, can you kind of speak to maybe your relationship with, with Graham and how you see fans and, and just what he means for the series and for the 500? You know, there's not a lot of drivers that understand what Indianapolis means like like Graham does. He obviously grew up in it. His dad won it. Um, He is as passionate about this race as any other driver, as vocal about this race being the most important race on earth as any other driver. So I know for him, you know, it's I'm sure it's devastating. I'm I'm, uh, in the motorhome lot just on the backside of Graham and, and what I was always been impressed with him but last night um a lot of the team members were gathered behind graham's bus and jack's bus and they were having a little cookout and and graham was was there um encouraging his guys laughing with his guys being the leader that that he needs to be and it's pretty shocking a lot of folks in that situation would have just packed things up and left and and uh, Graham was in there with with uh, with Jack and a lot lot a lot of guys from the team and just helping them um, celebrate and and was being the leader that he really is and that you know your true character doesn't show when you're winning it shows when in those difficult moments I think that's a sign of what his character really is you know Doug I had said this earlier and I want your thoughts on it Doug Bowles the president of IMS is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline Graham is a guy that to your point he's been around it his whole life. I think there's always naturally the stigma of whenever somebody is driving for their father's team or their father, you know, kind of brings them into a sport of, you know, little Timmy Smith in Little League who's only pitching because his dad's the coach. There's always that that stereotype, if you will. And, and I think for a lot of fans, that has made Graham Rahal polarizing. I don't personally grasp that because I've, I've seen a, the real side of him, quite frankly. But to me, yesterday may be what absolutely turns him into a ubiquitous fan favorite. I know he has a large fan base, but he also has people that like to pull against him because of the fact for everything I said. And now all of a sudden I feel like he is going to become like a Tony Kanaan type now where all of a sudden next year that place is going to erupt when he qualifies. You agree with that? You know, it very well could be because I do think our fans – uh, embrace folks like that. They embrace the challenge. I think that's why they were excited for Jack, right? They knew that it was such a challenge. And, w- and when 
when something happens like that, you know, you celebrate for them. And I think you're right. The way that, that Graham is handling this will make people think, you know what, he's he's a pretty solid guy. And when he's here and, and makes the show next year, I think people will will embrace that. So I think I absolutely think that's an, an accurate uh, prediction. Doug Bowles with us, the president of the Motor Speedway. Doug, attendance numbers from the weekend. Uh, it sounds like you were pretty pleased with it. Yeah, it was a fantastic weekend. The, the, you know, the fans really turned out. You know, obviously the weather helps when we've got good weather, and it's easy for people to sit out in you know high seventy, low eighty degree weather. And and it was uh, yeah, it was a fantastic, fantastic weekend. It, I couldn't believe the number of kids. You know, last weekend for the GMR Grand Prix, I was impressed with the number of kids, but the number of kids that were here this weekend was just phenomenal, and I just really appreciate. You know, fans bringing their kids out, and the last two weekends have been great weekends to introduce kids to our sport because you're not you're not trying to fight through 325,000 people, um, and that that was the thing that that struck me the most, just seeing the number of kids. Uh, I, yeah, I was one of them. Brought uh, brought both of the little kids out yesterday. Uh, we had a great time out there. Like you said, the weather really good. I know it's early in the week. I don't want to, you know, weather jinx or w- whatever. It looks pretty good. Where are we at from a um, ticket standpoint for Sunday? What do we have left from a grandstand standpoint? <laughs> we don't have very much left. I'll get a good report this morning. But our, I think last week when I talked to you guys, I said this was going to be the largest crowd um, really in the last 25 years, except for 2016, even bigger than last year, which was just what was the biggest one we've had since 2016 and, and really since before 2000. Um, and our ticket sales day over day over the past uh, five or six days have been significantly stronger than they were those same number of days out from the Indy 500 last year. So we are definitely going to be you know, well under, under 10,000 seats in the grandstand and probably uh, well under 5,000 seats left in the grandstand by the time we get to race day and then when you throw in all those people in the infield it's you know you're you're knocking on the knocking on that 325 for sure so um you know unless something happens in the next few days which it doesn't feel like there there will i mean the momentum and energy from the fans is unbelievable i think it's going to be one of those epic crowds so doug let's go over this real quick in terms of people preparing for sunday and i know some of this is stuff that we've gone over with you before but i think it's important to, to readdress it um, things that may pop people by surprise just in terms of the you know the logistics of getting in and out that would be number one and then number two if you have a parking sticker for one of the different lots did I don't know how to ask this so did the speedway for whatever lot it may be only distribute the number of passes of spaces available in other words if you have a whether it be in lot or turn three, you know, whichever sticker it may be in your window that you have acquired, is that guarantee you a spot, so to speak? Well, yeah, we only distribute what we have, so we don't distribute. We we're not like an airline where we where we you know right. assume some people aren't going to show up. So we we distribute what we have. I mean, that's it's the one thing that you know it's the hardest thing, honestly, when people say, "Hey, can I get a parking pass?" That's often the hardest thing for us to do because you're just limited in the space that you have, and when they're gone, they're gone. Um, so yes, that's true. Um, you know, we did have the problem with what we found out. We definitely had the, the fake pass out there. We have had a lot of folks uh, call the ticket office. We've had a lot of folks come into the ticket office and, and bring in the, the passes that actually they picked up in the mail. One of the, one of the ticketing platforms where those were being sold actually even reached out to those customers that they knew bought from the, the customer who had posted online. 
uh, and let them know that they had purchased a fake pass and helped get their money back and then had them call us. So we've had a pretty busy uh, 10 days with people coming in to make sure they have the right parking pass so they could get in. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we won't have to turn anybody away at the, at the, at the gate to get into the ticket or to get in the parking lot. But uh, that, that's our biggest challenge on parking is still just making sure if you bought a ticket from somewhere other than the speedway, that you need to make sure it's a, le- a legitimate parking pass. I think it was a couple of years ago now, Doug, but Zach Kiefer wrote an awesome piece on you on, on what race day is like for yourself and just all the places that you go and, and obviously people that you're seeing, et cetera, et cetera. What's the best place for you on race day? Like, what, where is, okay, I've got to be here for the start or I've got to be here for a restart. Like, where is that best kind of viewing point for yourself? Well, I, you know, it's it's for me. You know, I watched. I actually get to drive one of the Camaros at the front of the grid on at the start, which is which is an amazing, amazing experience to drive around the racetrack and just see it full. Because you just you, there's one day a year you see it like that. So when you go down the backstretch, you come out of turn two, and the spectator mounds are just packed all the way down that five eighths of a mile backstretch. is just stunning for me. And then I pull the car in, um, and and pull in just inside turn one um, behind what's the aero hospitality unit that that, that the team McLaren uh, sets up there and and I'll, I'll watch the start from there and make sure they get through turn one and then it, from that point on I'm pretty much done watching the race I go right I go right back to work um, so that's the, the hard part for me for race days I really don't get a chance to watch a lot of it um, but but that's the one thing for me that I, that I just I look forward to you know, obviously beyond back home again in Indiana, which is the, the one thing I look forward to, uh, is just driving down the backstretch and just seeing those spectator mounds fall. And, you know, the grandstands fall is awesome. But when you go down the backstretch and you just see the number of people who just buy a GA ticket, bring their kids 15 and under in for free, have probably been drinking beer since 6 in the morning. I mean, it is, it is one of the best. Uh, that's one of the highlights of my day, honestly. Uh, from an announcement standpoint, I think we got Grand Marshal, I believe, and National Anthem last week. Uh, when are we getting pace car and green flag? So, I want to say Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday. So, we get through today. Today's really about focusing on you know the drivers in this last big practice before we get to carb day. Uh, and then we'll get those announcements uh, the next couple days this week. And like I said, I think uh, you guys will like the... Uh, I think you like the pace car driver, and and uh, I'm pretty excited about the green flag, uh, the green flag waiver. I think we've got two really strong, really strong connections with with uh, some f- fun folks for those two positions. The pace car driver, Doug, is it somebody of more local relevance than national? I- I'm not going to tell you that because that that that'd give it away. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, that's what I'm trying to do. I think he gave us a good I hit. I know we, it. I know we just it. need to be smarter. I already told you, you guys will like it. So, um, yeah. anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should, it should be really fun. And is it uh, JMV? If it's JMV, you can just tell me. I'll be a little bit offended, but is it JMV? <laughs> it is not JMV. Oh. <laughs> okay, Doug. No. What? Um, last one for me. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you're like, yeah, I don't even sleep Saturday night. When you get to Friday, maybe post carb day, and even like midday Saturday, where is your worry or anxiety level at? Like, just from a okay, I this is my biggest worry for Sunday. This part of the speedway, this part of a concession, parking, traffic, etc. Well, weather's the first one, right? Because you can't control it. So I try not to pay any attention to the weather until we get 
you know, until we get really close, with the exception of looking at temperature. Because if the temperature, you know, last week it said the temperature was going to be, you know, 86, 87, 88 degrees. And if it's going to be that hot, it's it's just a matter of how we just making sure we have enough places, water stations and cooling stations and ways to just keep people cool. And, and now that I've, I've looked, it looks like it's going to be a little, you know, much better actually potentially on the on the temperature. But just weather always worries you. You know, if you're going to be in the path of a thunderstorm or some of those things, how do we how do you manage that? And then I worry about the things you just talked about. I worry about our gates. How are we getting people in, especially with the new open gate system where they go through and, and we can actually, um, you know, walk through with your coolers and all that. But how's that going to impact uh, impact things going forward? Concessions has been a challenge for us the last few years. It's probably our biggest, um, you know, our biggest failure point on an, on a consistent basis is just making sure that we're delivering there. And And it's just, it's harder to, it's harder to do that than you think just getting staff in there and the food and the prep and there's just all kinds of things that go with it for that many people second largest city in the state of indiana um inside the racetrack so so that one i that one i definitely worry about in terms of the racing and the on-track piece uh, you know those that's been happening for 106 times before this one so it, it generally isn't the least thing i worry about probably actually doug one last question because i think people would find this interesting i've never asked this and i'm curious um don't need names specifically but you, you had mentioned the driver's lot and graham rahal being around his competitors and teammates last night um Roughly how many uh, of the 33 drivers in the field, how many of them actually spend Saturday night inside the Oval in their buses? Uh, I would say 30 of them probably. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's it's almost it's almost everybody. Um, it's pretty amazing. Last night, uh, you know, like I said, Graham was doing his thing. Um, Jack was there. Um, you know, Eilat was around. And then I, I walked in and, the, and some of the boys were playing pickleball in the driver lot that um, – that they'd set up with tape and it was, and it was playing in the dark. And so I called our facility guys. I said, do we have a, we have a spare light tower around to bring over here. So last night I had guys bring over a light tower and we lit up, we lit up the uh, West side of the driver owner lot in between like Roger Penske's bus and, and, you know, a bunch of the buses and, and watch these guys play to play pickleball together until way too late. And then, uh, you know, then Dad had to go over and say, "Hey guys, we should turn the lights off. Let's let's uh, let's let some of the drivers that want to sleep sleep." Um, but no, it's probably thirty of them. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great, Doug. Good luck this week. I know it's probably a range of emotions for you all week long. Hopefully today, again, weather looks pretty good. Uh, also for Carb Day coming up, and if we don't see you on Carb Day, uh, have an awesome race day. All right, guys. Thanks so much.